What's up, everybody? This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Mentor Medicine. In this week's podcast, I'm going to begin a new series. And this series is going to focus on some of the knowledge that we acupuncturists tap into on a very frequent basis. So if you are interested in learning a little bit about what it is that we do and why we do it, how we make our decisions, especially when it comes to choosing the acupuncture points that help everybody out there in the world, this is the series for you. So within this series, we're going to focus on the five substances in oriental medicine, the five main substances. Now, one of them you might have heard of, and that is our topic for today. That substance is chi. What exactly is chi? We use this term quite often. We use it in our discussions. If you've practiced Tai Chi, if you've practiced Qigong, if you practice any kind of martial art, chances are you've talked about something that people usually just refer to as energy. That's one way to think about it. So chi itself, there's many different ways you can analyze it, but when we communicate this word in Chinese, which is where it originates from, the character itself is written with two parts. The modern character actually only contains one of those parts, but traditionally the two parts are air and rice. Now if we think about combining these two characters and literally combining these two elements within our bodies, air and food, they help to provide the energy that is needed for us to function on a regular basis. Without food, we cannot create the energy inside of our bodies. We just don't have it because we're not supplying it. We're not nourishing ourselves. Air, obviously, that's a no-brainer. If you don't have air, you will die. So we need air. We need food. Also, these are some of the components, even down to a molecular level, of what it is that we need in order to function. So carbohydrates, for example, they contain both carbon as well as oxygen, but then there are other forms that involve hydrogen, etc. But we're not going to go that deep. What we're going to focus on in this conversation is what exactly is qi? What types of qi exist in the body? You may hear the word qi, but you may not realize that there are many different types in our body. How do they transform? And what is it that we can actually do with it? Seeing as our medicine is thousands of years old, we have to take a look back into the classic books that are the foundation of oriental medicine. And one of these is called the Nanjing, which is the classic of difficulties. And inside of this old, old book is a phrase that says, Qi is the root of a human being. Okay, that sounds pretty abstract pretty wise, if you will. There's a lot of information within that short sentence. And that is true. So chi is the root of a human being. It is how we are created. In Western medicine, we can think of that in various different ways. We could think of uh, there's energy, there's all the way down to an atomic level, there's positive and negative, there is uh, ATP, these kinds of things that generate the energy inside of us, calories, etc. The energy the chi is the root of the human being. 
Now, also in the classics, it talks about a theory that we are all very familiar with, the yin and the yang. If we apply this to the concept of qi, then we have two variations. We have good qi and bad qi, or healthy qi, unhealthy qi. We have things that will do us good in terms of energy and things that will do us harm in terms of energy as well. And all of that is essentially based in the understanding that our chi is either at a good level or a not so good level, a healthy level or an unhealthy level. And that is really the basis for acupuncturists understanding how the body works. We try to measure that through various diagnostic techniques. The divisions of chi though are in two forms, not just the evil and the good, but I'm talking specifically about the good form of chi, this healthy chi. This is produced by the organs. So there is chi that is actually produced by the organs themselves, and there is also the functional aspect of the organs as well. So how they function and also what it is that they are producing. So we're having two divisions of chi and also there are different functions of chi. So energy can take on different forms. So we need energy in order to think, we need energy in order to breathe, we need energy in order to keep our heart pumping, we need energy in order to move our body, we also need energy in order to just rest and relax. The functions of chi are fairly similar. We need energy, we need chi, to transform anything that we put into our body. Food. When you put it into your body, it looks very different from when it comes out of your body, right? So our body is transforming the food. We need it to also transport the food. So you've, again, keeping with this analogy, you put food into your body, it has to go somewhere. And there must be a force applied to that not just the food itself, but the organs that are responsible for transforming it, then we also need something to push it through to the next stage of the process. It has to move from your stomach into the small intestine so that the next stage can happen. Qi must also be able to hold things in place. Now this is a unique form in terms of the understanding of what energy does inside of our bodies. Most of us think, well, isn't that just sort of how things work in general? Our body is a, a bag of tissue, if you will, okay? We got skin that's holding together the bones, the tissues, the organs, everything inside of us. Well, perhaps, but what if things start to say fall? And I'm not talking about gravity working here. Gravity is always working on our bodies. It is not just all of a sudden working harder in some areas than other. There is a specific organ, a specific type of chi in our bodies that holds everything in place. And that is one of the functions of chi. So we have three so far. We have transforming, transporting, and holding. So holding things in place, but also another function is raising. So this sort of goes hand in hand with the previous one. So raising is, yes, it's holding things up, but also what keeps your blood from flowing out of the vessels? 
Well, you think maybe, well, it's a tube. It's not going to go out. There's no holes in it. You better believe there are holes in it because it's made of cells. So the cells that make up the blood vessels, they're not just forming into one gigantic cell that turns into one long tube. There are millions and millions and millions of cells inside of our body, billions of cells. And the vessels themselves also are made up of these types of cells. So that means that there is a potential for things to have holes in them. What prevents the blood from coming out of your vessels? That is another aspect of holding. So it holds things in place. It holds them in the proper locations so that you don't have sepsis, for example. We have a particular way to hold our bowels together to protect them from invading the other organ systems so that we don't kill ourselves. So holding, raising, we also have the function of protection. Chi is something that really does protect us. Now, it protects us from the things that invade our bodies. So if we have a bacteria, a virus, why do some people get sick and others do not? Some people say, well, the immune system is stronger in this person than another. But what if two healthy people come across the exact same pathogen and one gets sick, maybe more so than the other. Maybe they both get sick, but one is sicker than the other. Or maybe one just doesn't get sick at all. And the other one is just bedridden for weeks. How do those things happen? That's not yet necessarily understood from the Western perspective. But from the Eastern perspective, we look at something that's called a Wei Qi. So we understand that if something invades your body, whether it's through food that you've eaten, whether it's a virus or bacteria, obviously those things were not written down in classical text thousands of years ago, but they understood that there were things that were entering your body from the outside. And they equated these things to something that I'm not going to go into deeply, but I'm going to mention here now. They equated these things to pathogens, so exterior or external pathogens, things that are coming from outside to inside that causes a disharmony inside of you. So these pathogens need to be pushed out of our bodies, and the one thing that can do that is the protection function of qi. The last function of qi that I will share with you here is the warming function. So why do we need to have a warming function? Let me ask you this. What's the temperature of your body? What if it gets too cold? What if it gets too hot? What if it warms itself too much? We know what happens. You either have a fever or other things start to happen inside of your body if the temperature starts to drop. We need to maintain a certain environment inside of our body so that the body remains a specific temperature. Also related to the function of warming is our organs, if they get cold, for example, if you eat a whole bunch of watermelon or some other melons in the middle of summer, that might feel good. It might feel feel uh, uh, soothing at least to your body, it cools you off, refreshing. But if you continuously eat these types of food that are very, very cold, even ice, for example, that's not going to feel too well, especially when you have to use the bathroom later on. 
you're going to have loose bowels, a little too much fluid inside of your body. Things are going to feel constricted. You might have a little bit of pain in your abdominal area. So the warming function ensures that the organ functions are working properly and that the body remains a specific temperature. So those are the functions of chi. Let's talk a little bit about some of the variations of chi or the different types of chi. When you are born, your parents provide you with a specific type of chi or at least the potential to develop a specific type of chi. This is a, a uh, specific area of oriental medicine that's a lot of focus. Basically, it's asking the question, how did we come to be? How were we created? What's the meaning of life? These kinds of things, these kinds of questions. So the original chi is really one of the forms of chi that is involved in those types of questions. So those conversations can start to become a little bit abstract. But keeping with me here and coming from the classics, they also talk about how you have a specific type of energy, a specific type of chi that creates you. It's like your blueprint. You are gifted with a blueprint of you. And this is how you function. It doesn't mean that it is unchangeable. It means that it is the basis for who you are. It is manipulatable. And what this particular type of chi, we call it original chi, by the way, yuan chi in Chinese. Original chi is responsible for creating that functional aspect of each organ system of the chi that I mentioned earlier. So I said there were specific functions like warming, holding, transporting, transforming, etc. All of those functions are based in the formation together with this type of chi, original chi, who you are as an individual, how strong you are in terms of your own health is based in the concept of this type of chi. So if your parents, and this is a belief in oriental medicine, if, if your parents were, say, really not taking care of their health when they made you, then chances are the level of your health might be lower than it could have been. Now, that doesn't mean you should go and point your fingers at your parents and say, hey, I'm unhealthy because of you. It's your fault. You did this to me. No, that is not what that means because, again, as I said earlier, you can change your blueprint. It's up to you. But that's not, again, a conversation I'm going to go into here. There's lots of things that I could talk about in terms of how chi functions. So coming back to original chi, this is the one that determines essentially your level of health. And it is found, for those of you who are familiar with this term, dantian. So there are actually three different dantians in your body. And this is the one that is found in your lower dantian. It connects to one of the points on the body, acupuncture points, that we call the life gate. Kind of makes sense, right? The original chi helps to form who you are, is coming from a life gate. 
So it resides in this lower Dantian. So if you're also familiar with Tai Chi Qigong, you know that there's specific breathing practices, exercises that are performed to help strengthen your Dantian, to keep you more stable. Hopefully what I'm telling you about original Qi is starting to put together some of the pieces of the information that you have. So this type of Qi is again, the one that helps to create the functional aspect of each of these organ systems. Another type of qi is one that we call food qi, or in Chinese they call gu qi. And I'm not talking about the, the fashion apparel that people wear that spend an uh, exorbitant amount of money on. This is not that kind of gu qi. This is gu qi. So this is food qi, the, the, the energy that comes from the food, the thing that I started this conversation with. It is the energy that is transformed or when your food is transformed, it's the energy that comes out of it. So we need this in order to transform the food. To, when it's transformed, then it is sent somewhere else. But this is basically a type of energy that nourishes every part of your body. So once you put food in, it has to take a certain form in order for it to be distributed out to the rest of the body. So that makes sense that the organ systems that are responsible for its formation are, you might think initially the stomach, that is true, because that is the one that helps to break down the food initially, and also the spleen. So the spleen is the organ system that is responsible for the development of this type of chi and also sending it throughout the body. There is a phrase from another classical text. If no food is eaten for half a day, your chi is weakened. And that's true. If you don't eat food for a half a day, you feel a little bit weaker. Your energy feels weaker. The second half of that phrase is, if no food is eaten for a whole day, your chi becomes depleted. So in this sense, we don't have enough energy to keep ourselves going. And then if you don't eat for the entire day, you start to lose energy. Imagine not eating for two or three days straight. What happens to your body? Initially, you feel weak. You feel, I need energy. I need food. I need something to nourish me right now. But you're not putting it into your body. But if you don't eat for two or three or four days, you start to lose weight. Your body starts to pull energy from other locations. So it depletes you. That is exactly what this means. Another type of qi is something that we call zong qi. Z-O-N-G qi. And this type of qi is something that is formed when this food qi comes in contact with air. When this food comes in contact with air, this gu qi comes in contact with air, we have this zong qi forming. And that means that it has to do something after that. It has to form into something else. And that is specifically the functions related to blood, because once this type of chi goes into the heart, then the heart says, 
I'm going to use you to form this nice red substance inside of your body so that you can send the nourishment out. So it helps to create the blood inside of your body as well as the blood vessels. One other function that this type of chi has is to ensure that you breathe properly. To ensure that you, if, and if you breathe properly, it ensures that you can speak properly. So somebody who has a weak voice, who talks like this, who has a difficult time keeping their breath. But if they have a weak voice, a soft voice, that could be a choice, and that's okay. It could also be the fact that the person's voice, their zhongqi, is affected. So we know that we can go back to the different organ systems related to this and say, hey, this is one sign that the person or the patient is showing. And as an acupuncturist, I know that zhongqi is created by these other types of qi, so this food qi and air. So let me see what I can do about that using those organ systems. So let's move on. There's another type of chi that we refer to as true chi. Now, aren't all of these true? Well, yes, they are. But this true chi or zhen chi in Chinese is the final transformation of chi. It is the end of the line. It is the last stage of the formation of chi, the different form that it can take. Now, within this zhen chi, there are two different variations. One of them is the substance or the qi that helps all of those channels, all of the pathways. So if you've seen a picture of what an acupuncturist might be treating or looking at, you've seen the lines that run along the body, these points where we put all of our needles. Those lines, those points, each of them have to be nourished and they are nourished by this type of qi, this zhen qi. One of the variations is ying qi or nutritive chi. It nourishes your body. It brings the nutrients to each of the organ systems, to each of the channels, so that it can provide the necessary functions for the rest of your body, specific to each part. The other variation is related to the function I mentioned earlier, which is protection, protective chi. This is wei chi. Some of you are familiar with this term, even though I said it earlier, some of you may already know a little bit about it. So Wei Qi, the one thing that helps defend you from anything invading your body, but also anything that does come in through your body, it helps to push it back out. If that is the case, then this type of energy, different from the other one, different from the nutritive Qi, this nutrient building chi or nutrient carrying chi that goes through all of the channels and provides the energy that you need in specific locations this protective chi lives on the outside of your body it's kind of the guard on the outside the guard that allows you to open and close the door to different things in the environment outside of you and also allows things that are inside to come out that means that, say for example, you sweat a lot, or maybe you don't sweat at all. Even you do a whole bunch of exercise, you just don't sweat. That's not necessarily good. So what we need to look at in those cases is the health 
of this type of chi, which is formed by other various organ systems. I'm not going to go into that too much. This wei qi is found on the outside of the body and it protects you. It performs that protective function. This ying qi flows through the vessels of the body. It flows with the blood, it flows in the main channels, it stays within the blood vessels. It is the one that keeps you healthy, keeps you strong because it nourishes every aspect of you. So coming back to the beginning discussion about the different types of qi, so we have yuan qi, we have gu qi, we have zhong qi, we have zhen qi, which is broken down into two different types, ying qi and wei qi. So we have all these different functions, such as transforming, transporting, holding, raising, warming, protecting, all of these different aspects of what qi can do inside of our body. All of those types, all of those functions are considered to be a part of that healthy qi. Remember we said at the beginning, healthy, unhealthy, evil, good. These are the good forms of qi. These are the things that we want inside of our body. And everything that affects us negatively is considered a bad form of qi. So as acupuncturists, one of the things that we do in terms of treating this substance is to either build it or release it, to move it along. Now, what do I mean by that? So if we're trying to build it, that obviously means the person doesn't have very much of it. They need more, whether it's all over or whether it's in a specific part, we can determine that based off of how we diagnose the person. If we need to do the other aspect, not building, but rather moving, breaking up, imagine things get stuck. Imagine things aren't moving properly. For example, you're at work, somebody gives you a whole bunch of projects, you don't really know which one to tackle first, and then things just literally start piling up. You have a pile of papers, you have a pile of projects, you have other things you gotta do. This is called stagnation. So there's not a lot of movement happening. Why? Because there's too many things all in one place. It has to be organized properly. And if your body doesn't have enough energy in order to move things properly, things can slow down or they can speed up or they can get stuck. And when that occurs, we use a technique that tries to either break those things up, move them faster, spread them apart, whatever it might be is in, in terms of our intention. So this building aspect brings these forms of chi together so that they can be formed into a more usable state. So we may have everything that we need inside of our body, but in actuality, we're not able to use it all. Why? Because some organ systems aren't functioning properly to create these things. On the other side of the equation, the breaking apart, for example, this helps to transform the types of chi into more say subtle forms into more usable forms so that they can be either sent out of the body or sent throughout the body so that they can be used somewhere else that is our objective when we are treating chi it sounds simple but we have to first be able to determine which type of chi we're dealing with and that also means what type of organ systems, which organ systems specifically, or which organ systems are involved in the process of creating this disharmony or this imbalance inside of you. 
So we use these terms, disharmony and balance, to sort of encompass all of these aspects of understanding what isn't working properly and what is working properly. So that's our conversation about chi, the first substance of five. And the next series, we're going to talk about blood. We're going to talk about how blood is formed, what it does, uh, some of its responsibilities. And this is going to, I think, open up your minds a little bit in terms of trying to understand exactly how we, as acupuncturists, as oriental medicine practitioners, think in the treatment room. What is it that we actually do? How do we come to these conclusions? So stay with me. That's it for this week, but stay with me next week and the next three after that so that you can understand the main substances in oriental medicine and why we do what we do. I thank you for listening. I hope this was valuable, and I look forward to having you tune in next week. I'm Justin Flinner, and this is a Justin Flinner podcast. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by My Mentor Medicine, an organization that is dedicated to helping people improve their lives by learning to empower themselves and take control of their own life. Any form of reproduction or distribution of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Should you have any questions on using this podcast or information that is contained within this podcast, please write to info at mymetromedicine.com.